Hi guys, it's Jen here. You're about to listen to one of my all-time favorite episodes. I conducted this interview in the season of security. Bernard Caleri was the lawyer for Witness K, yet found himself in the middle of this whistleblowing case and was accused of contravening federal laws. This conversation highlights the importance of whistleblower protections, as well as the government enforcing special powers to silence Bernard and Witness K. These powers are actually reserved for counterterrorism. Bernard really wanted to utilize our platform to get the word out to young people about the injustices that he was experiencing. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to Global Questions by YDS, the podcast breaking down global politics for young people who want to know more. I'm your host, Genevieve Marcocci. For today's in-depth episode, I am joined with Bernard Caleri, Australian barrister, lawyer, and former attorney general. He is being prosecuted for conspiring against the government. And I find what Witness K told me equally shocking and consistent with a pattern of deceit that should be disowned by every Australian it is being disowned by my generation and I appeal to your generation to take action and disown that kind of disgusting behaviour. Today we are discussing Australia's national security through the lens of the Witness K trial. The trial has been sanctioned through special powers to be held in secret away from public eye. The Australian government is considered to be abusing its power as it's condemning an honest whistleblower and his lawyer. Now for some background on the case. Bernard Caleri is being prosecuted for conspiring with his former client, Intelligence Officer Witness K, for exposing the happenings in 2004. Australia secretly and illegally bugged East Timor's government buildings in Dili to gain an unfair advantage in crucial oil and gas negotiations. The Treaty on Certain Maritime Arrangements in the Timor Sea, CMATS, was signed in January 2006 by Foreign Minister Alexander Downer. In 2012, the Gillard government made the spy allegations public. Then, in 2013, Bernard's home and office were raided, as was the home of Senior ACES Officer Witness K. He had told the intelligence watchdog about the bugging, yet was sidelined. Witness K then engaged Caleri as his lawyer. It wasn't until 2018 that both were secretly charged with sharing classified information, yet this was only made known due to Anthony Wilkie MP revealing it under his parliamentary privilege in June 2018. Now, the National Security Information Act 2004 is being used to keep the trial secret. Thank you for being here, Bernard. It's a pleasure, uh, Jen. Pleasure. So firstly, the National Security Information Act 2004 aims to strike a balance between the interests of national security and justice. Can you explain briefly what this act is actually preventing you from saying and doing? Well, this legislation was introduced after the 9-11 terrorist attacks. It um, was passed through the parliament in the context of terrorism although the government realised it had to sharpen up some court procedural secrecy rules so that terrorists couldn't use the trials to uh, put on a showcase, find out the identity of uh, spooks and and so forth. No one conceived or thought at that time that the procedure would be used to hide matters that don't go to national security but go to embarrassment. Now, I'm forbidden under that terrorist law now from adopting some of the descriptions of the misconduct in Delhi that you've given it. I'm not allowed to say anything about it anymore. That's 
the essence of the use of that act, which we call the NSI Act, to quench our democratic rights. So here I am uh, because the issue is of great embarrassment to former Prime Minister Howard and former Foreign Minister Downer and the officials who were involved with them in what I can only call the misconduct. Now, the vast majority of Australians are very critical of what they think was improper conduct and nothing to do with Australia's national security. Can I ask at what point of the trial proceedings are you at? Uh, we've had nearly 40 appearances and we still don't have a trial date. We are still arguing and now appealing uh, the question of whether there is to be a secret trial. That is, are the public going to be allowed to know what I'm referring to as misconduct? And why is this case so important for the public to know about? This is the authoritarian edge to the current government. Uh, I'm old enough to remember that way back in the Whitlam years, Labor had been out of power for 23 years. They came back in and they believed there'd been a conspiracy all those years to keep them out of power. They believed that the internal security agency, that is ASIO, had been recruiting anti-communist migrants abroad, turning a blind eye to anti-communist criminal records and bringing them into Australia. And there was this breathtaking announcement in the parliament where the then Attorney General and his Minister for Immigration, Mr Grasby, said there were 415 identified Croatian Ustashi terrorists in Australia. Well, I actually got that list. Most of it was nonsense and it had been sold on the Whitlam government by Soviet satellite intelligence services. So that was a frenzy. There's been another frenzy in recent years where we've focused on terrorism and not looked at really important issues such as covert Chinese influence amongst our ministry in our bureaucracies. And um, at the moment, we've got a government determined to cling to power. We have a very weak opposition. So this case is very important. Really, as far as I'm concerned, the last defence now are the courts of our land, our judges. Do you think people would actually know about this case if it wasn't for Andrew Wilkie MP in 2018 revealing it? I don't think you would know about it. And as you know, recently, Witness J, someone entirely different who'd worked in the intelligence community, was tried, sentenced and jailed in secret in Canberra. Now, that's no different from the Soviet gulags of the Soviet era and it's no different from what's happening in China and other repressive countries. So full marks to Andrew Wilkie, the independent MP from Tasmania, who had the courage to come forward. It's clear that there are individual members of the other parties who would like to come forward, but they're bound by these pyramidal leadership issues those parties have. Currently, there's a lot already known about the case in terms of what actually happened because of Andrew Wilkie. So this suppression order kind of feels like something the government is trying to protect themselves mostly and hide something because your side, the witness case side, is kind of on the table, but theirs isn't. Well, I don't think they want to see Alexander Downer and John Howard in the witness box being cross-examined by lawyers. And the last thing they want to see is me giving evidence as to what Witness K told me and my legal advice to Witness K. One of the um, misnomers in this matter is that the witness K came forward and I took on the case because we thought it was unjust 
to the Timorese. Well, that, of course, goes without saying, but Witness K came to me as an approved lawyer, a lawyer with a security assessment that allowed me to know things in the intelligence community. Witness K had the approval of the Inspector General of Security to see me, and Witness K wanted a finding that the misconduct was unlawful and that his retirement, inverted commas, from his intelligence service was effectively enforced to bring about a changed culture. Once again, I can't tell you what that change culture was. So there you have it. People think that Witness K was a whistleblower who came out and gave secrets out publicly, and I support him because we thought it was unjust. Certainly it was unjust, but the first injustice was to Witness K and his colleagues, he not being alone in being, inverted commas, retired. And I am anxious to stand up in court and give the evidence that a citizen of this democracy should be able to. There is an international agency that measures democracy in the world, based in South Africa, supported by eminent lawyers around the world. They made a finding last week that Australian democracy is no longer a free democracy. It's a narrow democracy. I tell you, Jen, living in Canberra for the last 40, 50 years, that uh, we have a very fragile democracy at the moment. Your generation particularly are going to have to pick up the pieces and rebuild it. Worst thing of all is, at the moment, like we did all through the 60s and 70s, every time Washington pointed the finger at Moscow, we parroted back to Washington. We're doing it again with China at the moment, picking a huge, big fight that we could never finish ourselves, and that will cost millions of Australians uh, economic security we had. Now, as you know, I've acted for the Falun Gong, on the right of the Falun Gong practitioners to protest outside the Chinese embassy. So I'm no pro-Chinese person. I just say that once again, we've got blinkered foreign policy run by very narrow clique in our foreign ministry. You mentioned before about the Witness J trial. It's interesting that these letters are being thrown around to describe witnesses' cases. Do you think that there's a place for the whistleblowers that came before them, maybe Witness A to J, there's something to be said about people only hearing about the K trial at the moment? I don't know, Jen, whether you've seen that film, ABC, recent images of the cold-blooded execution of an unarmed, seated person in Afghanistan, apparently by our troops. Now, You've got a guy on secret trial for allegedly breaching security by revealing things like that. You've had a journalist, Annika Smethurst, home raided her clothing drawer search through because she reported that Uncle Sam was going to adopt some more data matching facial recognition policies. You've got all the hallmarks of an authoritarian regime developing in our country and countries in our region that practice the same things, such as China, must be delighted to see that in Canberra, the national capital of Australia, there are now secret trials. Because how do we criticise the way the Chinese trial their citizens when we're doing just that? I had a very worrying week of closed court a few weeks ago. Any of you sitting there would have wondered whether you were in Australia or in some repressive regime. It's really striking to hear. You recently lodged an appeal on the 24th against the suppression of the trial. What was kind of the motivation behind that? The single judge of the Supreme Court had to decide whether there'd be an open hearing of the core issue. The NSI Act that we talked about earlier has a provision in it that we've never had before in our laws in Australia. 
It said that a judge has to decide whether to close a court or not, has to give the greatest weight to the opinion of the Attorney General. Now, whether that's constitutionally uh, wise, I think there's only one answer, very unwise. Whether it's constitutionally invalid in these days of terrorism and the rest has yet to be tested in presumably the High Court. Perversely, the attorneys of the view that an open hearing would prejudice national security. Presumably, it would delight China, as if China's not already delighted, and it would make countries in our region worried about their own safety and security. I mean, the whole thing's absurd. We haven't lodged the appeal yet, because just after we got the judge's reasons, the Attorney General, that's a young Christian Porter, the Federal Attorney General who, who comes from Perth, where he was Attorney General in Western Australia, his officers came and took the judge's reason's office a few minutes later, said there were secrets in it that couldn't be public. We've had another hearing in the court where the attorney's officers have asked the judge to take things out of his judgment and redact them. Weeks have passed. I haven't had the opportunity to read the unredacted judgment, which I'm entitled to read. And I live in Canberra. The attorney's officers have got an order that says I can only talk to my lawyers in a room that they've checked and I have to go up to Sydney if I want to talk about the unredacted details in Sydney. Now, I'll be 76 soon, as if I want to go to Sydney at the moment with the coronavirus around. It belongs in Moscow. It belongs in Beijing. This is going to go on until your generation. Use your votes and get these people out of government as soon as you can and get reasoned, decent people coming forward to reflect the values that your generation want, Jen. That's why I've agreed to do this podcast at some risk. We live in a a really dangerous time to be speaking out about government. There's been really low media coverage recently. Is that purely due to the fact that information wasn't released? Jen, the journalists aren't allowed in the courtroom. What are they going to report? That there was a protest outside the court? I mean, they're mostly people my generation. That's why I'm so delighted that Young Diplomats is taking an interest in this. You know, the irony is that in 1939, we faced World War II. Japan was on the march and we'd seen what had happened in China with the Japanese troops, the rape and the massacres in in Nanking, and we were facing a potential invader. We were unprotected and our parliament passed a National Security Act. Ironically, that's the earlier MSI Act. There was no question that if foreign saboteurs and internees, you know, Japanese living in Australia, uh, wanted to appeal in court, There was no question that the court would be closed at the order of an attorney general. That act, in face of invasion, said that it was the judge's role to close his or her court. Now, if we didn't do that with Japan threatening us with invasion, why have we done it in this century and allowed our courts to be oversighted and giving greatest weight to a young politician of the calibre of Christian Porter? And when I say calibre... I refer to his record as Attorney General in Western Australia and otherwise in Australia. It's a matter for people to judge whether Christian Porter himself as Attorney General and his advisers are giving objective, independent advice on the alleged prejudice to national security of having a hearing in public. We'll be back in a moment. We are always looking for new writers. Whether you're here in Melbourne or abroad, visit us at our website, theyoungdiplomats.com under the Get Involved tab 
to find out more. So how do you see the role of the media playing alongside the case? Well, there's an old saying, Jen, publicity is the soul of justice. Just think across the years. Courageous journalists are often the protection we have between authoritarianism, fascism, and totalitarianism. Journalists suffer. I used to belong to the Penn Group, which is an international group that protect journalists. If you watch Al Jazeera in the morning, sometimes on SBS, you see that there are journalists now who've been imprisoned in Egypt, for example, for 12, 1300 days. They are people of courage and integrity. We have them in this country and journalism's a fine career. Christian Porter is quoted by saying, it's not terribly unusual to have proceedings such as this held in secret. What do you make of these comments? And do you actually think parts of this trial should be suppressed? No. Look, now Christian Porter said to David Spears on Insiders a few weeks ago, oh, well, judges close courts all the time. The police ask for a court to be closed, you know, sexual assault cases, all those sort of things. Of course, and sometimes lawyers ask for the court to be closed to protect their own clients, particularly women victims of domestic violence and the rest. But he just failed to mention one thing. It was him closing the court. I mean, that was just completely misleading He's the first law officer of our country. So I was the first law officer of this tiny principality, the ACT, once as Attorney General. I wouldn't have dreamt that I would go on public air and make a statement like that that was palpably wrong and misleading. That wasn't the issue. It's Christian Porter who issued a letter to tell the judge to give the greatest weight to his opinion. You're touching on that section of the NSI Act to give the greatest weight to the Attorney General's argument. That's kind of interesting, right? Because the courts are meant to be independent of government altogether. So it's creating this unfair judgment system. Would you agree? That's the potential constitutional issue here. Really, you don't know what was behind Christian Porter's opinion to give the greatest weight to. Do you know? Does anyone in Australia, beyond a few people in the courtroom, know what his opinion was? He didn't turn up at court, by the way. He sent bureaucrats in to say what the Attorney General's opinion was. I can't tell you what that evidence was. That will be part of Australian history. When your generation reopened the book, that extraordinary week of evidence that I've never seen the like of in my 50-year legal career, hopefully, will be public and you'll know what a vast and deep threat to democracy that week presents. In your book which is called Oil Under Troubled Waters, Australia's Timor Sea Intrigue. You link past events of imperialism and sovereign power to current abuses of power. Do you think the future of whistleblowers in Australia and cases such as this will continue to be dealt with in this unjust way? Why are there whistleblowers? The answer is we need to have proper values instilled in both a big business where there are whistleblowers And in government, it's not all a government issue. It's not all about national security. Remember the scandals of the tobacco industry, asbestos mining, workplace safety, crime statistics, all those issues. Uh, You've got to sift out whistleblowers who are looking for a bit of fame. I don't think there are many. There has to be public interest disclosure capacity for public servants so they're not breaking the law by coming forward on serious matters of genuine public interest. In my view, Witness K's search for a finding of unlawful conduct was proper, was in the public interest, 
And judging by the reaction across Australia, clearly Witness K's concerns about the change culture reflected the impropriety of the conduct uh, that I can't talk about. So what are your main concerns about this prosecution? I've been a lawyer for so many years, conducting trials, defending people, seeking to find justice both in civil cases and in criminal cases. And I face standing in the dock in the court where I've spent my uh, great part of my professional career. How, how do you think I feel? I mean, it's uh, like a bad dream. It's, it's awful. And what for? I represent a decent, honourable person who believes there's a cultural change happening that is wrong. I see good client of mine smeared, smeared and called, as the Soviets used to call their defectors back in the Russian days, smeared as a disgruntled public servant. He was only after promotion. He only came to see Bernard Caleri because he didn't get his job, you know, disgraceful slandering of a decent man. I find that conduct so un-Australian. Of course, the misconduct in Dili is very, very un-Australian, very sneaky. And if you think uh, mothers would throw their babies into the sea, this is the children overboard affair, when Prime Minister Howard asserted that mothers would throw their babies into the sea so they could get a refugee visa. That kind of deceitful conduct is wrong. It shouldn't happen. And and I had a grim experience of seeing mass graves in Timor after the militia violence. Uh, I could see that the men's bodies had entry wounds to the front. And so many times, and so sadly, you'd see that the women had turned their backs. Those holding babies, they turned their backs. And uh, babies, of course, leave no bones, just gristle. So you could tell they'd been holding a baby from the baby shawls in their arms, in the mother's arms. But they turn their backs. So a mother doesn't put a child in the sea. And it was such an evil proposition that attacked all motherhood. I found that shocking. And I find what Witness K told me equally shocking and consistent with a pattern of deceit that should be disowned by every Australian. It is being disowned by my generation. And I appeal to your generation to take action and disown that kind of disgusting behaviour. With your background as a lawyer, how has your experience in court differed from what you're used to? I'm uplifted by being in court in front of a jury. I can only think of one or two trials where I thought the jury, maybe they got it wrong. What else can we have in a democracy but a true jury? And under Section 80 of the Constitution, I have a right to a jury trial and everything that goes with it. In my view, a secret trial where the jury don't get seen by the public, where they may not see some of the evidence, where the judge gives them directions of greatest weight, you've got a very serious situation. I have been uplifted by a career in the law. It's sort of Shakespearean that I'm going to go into the dock and I face imprisonment for assisting Witness K get a finding of unlawful conduct. There's a pattern of deceit. They must cover that up, this current government, and using a Trojan horse argument that it would lower our reputation in the region, as if our reputation in the region isn't at the lowest it's ever been. Look at us. What did our Prime Minister say about rising sea levels in the Pacific Islands? He said the Pacific Islands has come here and picked fruit. I mean, that's what your generation have to remedy. I might go to jail. I'm 76. I haven't got much more time anyway. But your people have to do something. You must. How has this impacted your life in Canberra? Well, I'm at home. I'm not doing trial work. I'm old-fashioned. I'm innocent until proven guilty. I could go in and robe up and 
and go and do jury trial work, but there's a sort of celebrated issue that might distract a jury. They've got to give an absolute objective mind to the issue before the court, not whether Bernard Caleri needs a thumbs up or a thumbs down. So my career has stopped. I've had to borrow money. When we subpoenaed Woodside and Conoco, the companies that were going to benefit from the Timor Sea negotiations, their lawyers said it would cost them 100 to 150000 to produce the papers that we were subpoenaing. I don't have that money. But a, a very kind Australian philanthropist in Melbourne lent me 200000 So we told them that we've got the money, produce the papers, and then uh, when Woodside produced documentary records, uh, Mr Porter's officers came to the court and said they wanted them, and I haven't seen them. That's... That's so unjust. Just, yeah, I'm kind of lost for words at this point. I've read a lot about it. Definitely hearing it from you is way different from what I've read or even your book. But My book's very dense. I spent years up there. It was meant to be an historical record. It wasn't meant to be a novel or a good read. In fact, not even my family have got their way through it. <laughs> I, mean, I wrote it as a record. I just knew that given my age and the criticisms I'm making, the dangers that presented itself once the government raided my office, just getting onto paper the real history, the true story. So I'm sorry it's a hard read, but it has to be done for posterity, for your generation. Yeah, it's definitely necessary because I think you're the person that's actually been through the experience. It's dense, but you see why it's that way and how it leads to these conclusions. You've mentioned that you've been to almost 40 court appearances. Do you see this case as a deflection of government or a denial of how neoliberalism and economic imperialism has come into Australia? When the government said that they wanted the papers that we'd asked Woodside to produce for national security reasons, it said all about why Foreign Minister Downer went to work as a consultant after he left Parliament for Woodside and why the head of foreign affairs during the misconduct period, and Dilly, I can't tell you again what that misconduct was, he went to work on the board of Woodside. Neoliberalism, neo-colonialism, exploiting the petroleum reserves of the poverty-stricken Timorese is a throwback to the British Empire days. There's recently been a push for an parliamentary inquiry into the treatment of yourself and Witness K. Do you think it's possible to reinstate this fair-go mindset kind of talk a bit about in your book that Australia's departed from? Yes. Yeah, look, I grew up straight after the Second World War. My father had been killed in action. I never met my father. My generation were really marked by that war. And then our, our dairy farm down near Wollongong was resumed by the Commonwealth Government for a migrant refugee camp. So I ended up going to school with German kids, Dutch kids, Italian kids. We all grew up suffering and I don't think my generation wanted to see war again. And my father had been shot down as a fighter pilot from Wollongong. He was born in Wollongong. But I came to terms with that. But the one thing I, my generation, I think a lot of us believed in, was that we, would, we were going to have a great country. Look where we are. Part of the cause is a lot of people who should have gone into Parliament, a lot of your generation who don't want to have a bar of it, should have a bar of it. And we should have a wider cross-section. And we've got too many politicians in the Parliament who've been young Labor, young Liberal, and who've never worked. You know, when political parties want to promote youngsters, they should go for young people who've been out there in the community who understand and do things. But a lot of the politicians you're seeing these days have known nothing other than being employed in ministerial 
officers all their careers until their bosses retired and they took their bosses' places. Now, I'm not making any individual criticisms. There's some good ones among them, but by and large, our parliament's not representative enough, and that's why we've got down to this narrow authoritarian model where we've got this current government and the current the young attorney general is not, not really reflecting, I think, the values that we need in the community. So you're talking a bit about values there and like the misalignment of leadership. Also in your book, you've mentioned before how in government there's this core value clash. Do you think this is kind of what's driving your prosecution? I was listening to former Prime Minister Julia Gillard talking about a recent book she's written and she was asked about the bear pit of parliament that she went into. And she made this remark, which seemed quite reasonable to me, that parliament's a clash of, of values. But all too often, some of the values that clash, Jen, are values like truth. There aren't shades of truth. And I think we all know politicians lie, we get deceived. That's not a clash of values. Truth isn't a matter you can bargain away, argue away. It's just truth. It's black and white. I come from courtroom where there is a truth or an untruth. And Parliament is so different from a courtroom these days. Do you have any final remarks for the people listening? I just think the baton's pretty well over to you guys. It's wonderful that you've formed this Young Diplomats group. Full marks to you, Jen, full marks to whoever's helping you with this program. And it's a privilege to speak to young people who've got all their hair. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Matt, and you guys will see what's true or not. I don't think you can be sold a pup. Good on you. Thanks for that. I'd just like to quickly mention that your book, it's called Oil Under Troubled Water, Australia's TMLC Intrigue. It's got a lovely review from Steve Brax at the start. So, yeah, just thank you so much for your time, Bernard. It's been a pleasure and a privilege speaking with you today, and I'm really grateful that you've taken up the time. Thank you. If we've sparked your interest or you want to hear more about a certain topic, contact us via our socials, website, or the link in the description. This is Global Questions, and thanks for listening.